Thanks for listening to the Life Church Weekly Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Mark Borg. For any other messages or other resources, please visit us at lcboise.com. important for us to understand and know these things so we can take full advantage of all the benefits of this victory. Matthew 16 verse 13, when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? So they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound or will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Hallelujah. And so uh, focusing in, uh, zooming in on this phrase, I will build my church, Jesus said. The gates of Hades, or we could say hell, will not prevail against it. So we are, as the church, by nature, triumphant. We are victorious. Uh, Let's be that. How many know any sign or symptom of defeat in our lives, personally or corporately, is an indication that we're not being who we are. We are thinking, living, functioning, operating as something that we're not. Because what we are is victorious. What we are is something that Jesus himself said, I will build and, and, and he has built and is building. Uh, he has built us as his church a triumphant, overcoming, victorious church. I don't know about you, but I like to be on the winning team. Amen. And I don't know about I don't want to be on a losing team. I'd rather win. And thank God we have it written in red and white. Thank you, Lord. That we are the triumphant church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we have established already that the church is both universal and it is local. It's all around the planet. And in heaven, that's the, the extent of our family. Uh, but it's also local. We are uh, here, right here now, we are a local church. We're, we are a part of the universal church. And this is part of what the Lord is directly building. He's building us as living stones. He's building us together, uniting hearts to accomplish something great for His kingdom and for His plan. Now... One of the key characteristics of a New Testament, biblical, godly, God-ordained and established local church is the presence of the gift of, of a pastor. Okay, That's specifically tied to a local church. 
There are, there are other gifts, of course, apostle, prophet, evangelist, teacher, listed in Ephesians chapter 4. And all these gifts are of great value and of great need to the body of Christ at large. But when it comes to the local church, a specific gift is always tied to it. That is the gift of a pastor. Now, uh, the other word that we'll see in Scripture and that you can, you can know really from the original language, it's the same word, is the word shepherd. Okay, now we may not be super familiar with with shepherds and how they function with their sheep, but that's the image, that's the picture that the Lord gives us of what a local church would look like, what it would, some of how it would function, shepherd sheep, all right? Now, you might be familiar with the 23rd Psalm, uh, which says, David said here, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. It would also be accurate. It would be correct uh, if we translated that this way. The Lord is my pastor. I shall not want. Yeah, I mean, really, it's, it's the same language, the same word. Uh, but the Lord, uh, the Lord is my pastor. I want us to keep those words in the same uh, category here, the same explanation, so we can see what the Lord is intending to do. Now, there are four things, four primary things that I can see um, that are a part of a shepherd's ministry, of how, what the, the Lord being our shepherd, what does he do? A shepherd will, will do these things. He'll, he will, number one, he will lead, okay? The shepherd will lead. If you've ever been around that type of uh, industry, which we don't see so much in our area, uh, you'll note that the sheep will literally follow the shepherd, they, he can walk and they will just follow him. You know, I grew up and we had, I was around cows. They don't follow you. That's a different kind of animal there. Well, if we wanted the cows to go somewhere, and we did, uh, you had to get behind them and yell. <laughs> and wave your arms and, 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 and get them moving. And how many know that's not the way the Lord deals with us? He's not getting behind us yelling at us. Hey! Yeah! Yeah! Move it! No, he leads with his voice. He leads with a gentle hand, but he guides us, and we are to follow him. Yeah? And uh, if we do follow him, you know, we end up in a good place. If we don't, we don't. It is in our best interest to follow the shepherd, to follow his leading. Uh, but he's not going to make us. Amen. He's not going to rein us in and put a rope around our neck no he's just going to walk come on he's going to lead us and then it's up to us whether or not we follow but we can see that when you are following the good shepherd and Jesus is according to John 10 the good shepherd that he's always going to lead us in a, in a good place he's going to lead us into a place where there are remember this 23rd Psalm green pastures all right. Not in a dry, parched desert. Not in a place where there is lack. Not in a place where there is no sustenance and no, no thriving. Okay. He leads us into a place where we will thrive. Where we will do great. So I would encourage everyone, uh, follow the shepherd. Follow the Lord's leading in your life. Do your own thing, and I don't know what's going to happen. But I know for certain, I know for a fact because of the goodness of his nature and character and love for us that if we will follow him, it will end up well. Yeah. Amen. 
Some of, some of you kind of quiet on this. You don't know that shepherd like I do. I'm becoming more and more acquainted with the good shepherd. And I tell you, he is worth following. Secondly, I see that the shepherd feeds. So he leads and he feeds. You can see that in the green pasture reference, of course. But I know that as believers, one of the things we need is food. Right, And I'm not talking pizza and burgers. I'm talking about spiritual food. I'm talking about faith food. I'm talking about spiritual nourishment. If you feed on the, the words of this world and on society around you, I tell you, your spiritual life will go down. But if you'll follow your good shepherd, he will give you the necessary spiritual nourishment. And, in, and it will enrich you so much where God will be so real to you. And his presence and promises will be so evident in your life. But you do have to follow him and you do have to eat what he gives you. And he has some things to say. He has some words he wants to give you that will help tremendously. So the shepherd will feed. The third thing is, is he will, the shepherd will protect. Okay? Just like, again, the natural shepherd will, will fight off the, the wolves, those that would come in to try to harm the sheep. Uh, the Lord also is our protector. He is the one who keeps us in a safe place, keeps us from being devoured by the devil. Okay? And again, where am I following him? Now, you know, it's one thing for me to give lip service to the Lord and, and say good things and sing good songs. It's a whole other thing when he says, turn right, and I turn left. And I say, well, I'm just, I just love the Lord. No, but he said, turn right, and you turn left, and you wonder why you're getting hit over the head. <laughs> See, letting the Lord be your shepherd means literally when He leads and when He guides and directs and instructs us in how we think and live and believe and act and conduct our lives from day to day, that we literally do follow Him. We literally say no to some stuff in life. And we say yes to Him. We say yes to His ways. When we do that, we're coming under His protection. We're staying in the flock. We're staying in that safe place where the wolf can't get to us. Huh? And so he leads, he feeds, he protects, and he corrects. Also, the shepherd will, will do some correcting, meaning if we're going the wrong way. If we're thinking wrong, if we're doing wrong in a certain area, he will, because he is good, he will bring correction so that we can get back on track. Is anybody open to correction? Anybody think that's okay? All right, a quarter of you are, and the rest of you are going to... No, I... Uh, <laughs> but if you drove if you drove here today, how many know you had to do a lot of correcting just to get your car to end up in the right place? Because we we constantly need to make minor adjustments and changes and corrections, and that's one of the things the Lord will help us with. If we'll listen to Him, if we'll follow His leading, He'll tell us turn, 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 turn. Make little adjustments in how you think and how you live and the words that you speak and the actions that you take, the commitments that you that you make uh, in life. He'll constantly help us to adjust. Why? So we can stay on the road. So we can stay out of the ditch. So we can stay out of harm's way and trouble. He wants to bring good things in our lives because he is a good shepherd. Amen. Amen. If someone tells you, well, the Lord killed my dog and blew up my house and gave me cancer, I'm telling you, you're following the wrong shepherd. That's not the good shepherd. The Lord doesn't do that. I mean, we wouldn't go to parts of the world where they have, you know, sheep and flocks and, and, and that kind of stuff. And, and, and if we went to a, what would you call it? Like, a, where, where, where do sheep hang out? What? Her, what? 
in a fold, the sheepfold. There we go. The pasture, green pasture, yeah. Sheepfold. If you went to the sheepfold, the pasture, the green, and you saw all these sheep, and they were all mangled, and they were matted, and and malnourished and and half of them had a you know one of their legs was broken and you know they're walking around how many know you wouldn't describe that and say man they must have a really good shepherd that must be a most excellent superior shepherd these sheep are most blessed (laughs) you would say just the opposite wouldn't you You said man that shepherd needs to get his act together he doesn't care about the sheep he's not taking care of them Huh? You would say that's a bad shepherd. And so I know this. If I find that in someone's life, they're not in the Lord's flock. Huh? Now I'm not saying, I'm not questioning their salvation, but I say we have to follow him. He's going he's gonna to lead us with his voice. Are we going along? Are we going in that direction? Because where he leads us, it's going to be a healthy, strong, safe place. He's not the one that's going to knock you down and beat you up. Hallelujah. Amen. We all need the church, by the way. Because you know what the church is? I'm talking about the local church. You know what it is? It is that green pasture. It is that sheepfold. And these things become evident in our lives. These attributes of the shepherd working in us are present in that place. Are present in that, in, in that work of God. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16 reads that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And so you can see the Word of God is what, is what the shepherd uses to bring these elements into play and to bring us uh, to a place of health and safety and protection and so forth. Now, I read this verse again, Psalm 23, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Can you see the Lord's not just interested in meeting your needs, but he's also interested in meeting your wants. Yeah. Isn't that good? The Lord's interested in all kinds of stuff. Let's not put him in a, in a little tiny small box. Let's let him be in a wide open space in our lives where he can do tremendous things. But watch the reason many people live in want. What is want? Lack. They're always wanting something else. Their needs are not fully supplied. Their wants are not met. The reason is, is because, according to this verse, they are not being shepherded. They're not being shepherded. They are not giving the Lord that place in their life. If they were, they would be full. They would have no want. See that? I mean, that, that, that's real clear. But when the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He is the shepherd, but we need to submit to his leading for him to do what he wants to do in our lives. Now, I need to move this to a little bit more practical area. How does the Lord, our shepherd, our pastor, how does he shepherd us today. One of the primary ways that the Lord shepherds, the Lord pastors, is through pastors, is through shepherds. Same word, same word. Uh, Many people live in want because they will not be or they are not being pastored. 
sure got real quiet in here. Now, obviously, I look at this, I think, ah, does that come, is that different coming from me because I is that in function? But I, then I step back and I think, who else is going to talk about it? <laughs> here we go. <laughs> it's in the Word. I must teach. I must explain. I must give you the will of the Lord and, 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 and bring these things to you. Uh, but to be pastored... Really, allowing the Lord to be our shepherd, He does a lot of that through people. And we would acknowledge that in a number of areas, a number of different ministries. For example, teaching. Will the Lord teach us directly? Yes, He would. If you're not sure, if some of you weren't sure, First John uh, chapter 2 says the anointing in us teaches us. Okay, But does the Lord also, and does, does He teach us through teachers? Absolutely, okay? And it's one of the ways that we never want to cut it off and say, I get everything direct from the Lord. I don't receive through any person. You're going to miss out on a whole bunch because I got a feeling He wants to talk to you through some other people. He wants to teach me through some other teachers. He gives it to them and they give it to me. That's His prerogative and He set it up that way. It's His design and plan to do it that way. It's also the case with His pastoring. The Lord is my pastor and I shall not want. Okay, how does that manifest in your life? And the truth is, He does that through what's called a ministry gift. He does that by putting a gift inside individuals so they represent His character, His will, His nature, His leading and feeding and protecting and correcting to people. And that's the way God does it. And if someone does not acknowledge and be a part of that, then they are cutting off God's supply, thus eliminating their ability to live without want. Everybody okay? Now, uh, too many times Christians today, it seems, only follow their spiritual leadership when it's convenient or when they agree. Hallelujah. The lights are bright. I can't really see into your eyes anyway. Many have exalted their own understanding above their leaders. And they've made what they see and what they figure out and what they know the superior decision maker in their life. And it's all based on that. I know some individuals, they come and, and they pray. They pray before services like this, and they pray. And some of you do this at, at home. You, you pray for this service, and you pray, Lord, give the pastor utterance in the Holy Spirit. Lord, give him words from heaven. Lord, give him the word for the hour and boldness to speak your word. I'm praying. I'm believing that you're going to speak to us today. You're going you're gonna to guide and direct, and you're going to be all over that service. And then, then, then we have a service, and words are spoken, and direction is given, and feeding is coming out, and correction comes out, and people say, I don't like that. I don't agree with that. Well, that's just what you think. That's not what I think. Huh? And so which was it? Bad preaching or bad praying? I mean, if your prayer worked, then it was answered. <laughs> then you might want to pay attention. Just a thought. 
And I know that others say, well, I'm off the hook there because I didn't pray that. (laughs) uh, And you didn't pray that, why? Why would you be a part of a local church and not do that? That's a big mistake as well. Can I tell you? And this might sound self-serving, but I'm only doing this for, in obedience to the Lord and for your benefit. But one of the best things you can do is to pray for your leaders. It is. I mean, someone's speaking into your life. You want them to be accurate and precise and have words from heaven and to be flowing in power and demonstration. I mean, we're better off if that's the case. And so I see on either side of this, people are eliminating, either through a lack of participation and prayer in believing, or through their participation, but then a denial of the result of their praying and believing. They're, partic- they're not participating in the Lord's plan to pastor you. And therefore, they limit the blessing. They limit the green pasture. They limit the still water. They limit the restoration of their st- soul. They camp out in the valley of the shadow of death. They live there. They put put down their roots in in the valley instead of letting the Lord take them through and out into victory. Amen. Amen. They need more more surely goodness and mercy following them all the days of their life. Hallelujah. I know uh, years ago um, a couple came to me, uh, a, a guy with his girlfriend. And they came and wanted me to uh, do their wedding ceremony and to give them some counsel, some pre-marriage counsel. And as I and I said, yeah, sure, come on in. You know, we met, we were talking there for for quite some time, and you know, through our discussion, I f- found out that they're doing some things, the way they're handling their relationship and and so forth, was ungodly. It wasn't right. And, uh, and so they came to me, so I figured they want to know what I think. Isn't that logical? Or maybe do some people go to pastors and just want them to agree with them? I don't know. Uh, anyway, they, they wanted to know. They wanted my counsel. They wanted my input. So I'm going to honor them and respect them and tell them. And I said, well, you know, some of this, like, obviously you're here you want a Christian marriage, you want a Christian wedding ceremony, you want something based on the Word and, and the Word of God, and you want to do these things a certain way, otherwise you've just gone, not gone down to the courthouse. You just, you know, take care of the legal thing, but you didn't do that, you're here, so I guess you want this. All right, let me give you some instruction. I said, this is the way it needs to go if you want to do this God's way, if you want His blessing on it, if you want to do it His way, then this way. And so I, I basically told them, I said, there's a couple things that here that need to change. And if you will change them, then we'll go forward. If you will, if you'll do this different, uh, we'll proceed, we'll continue to meet, and then we'll do your wedding ceremony, and, and it'll be great. I tell you, you'll have God all over it. God will bless your relationship and your marriage, and you'll be able to know in, inside that you did it His way and not deal with that, that guilt and condemnation, all this kind of stuff. And... and uh, uh, they decided to go to someone else. Yeah. So I didn't see him for uh, quite a long time. I mean, years. Uh, because, you know, I guess I said the wrong thing. FYI, I didn't. Uh, 
And no condemnation. Cool. They said, we're going to do something else. All right. I'm not here to, I'm not here to force anyone to do anything. I'm not here to boss people around and make them or try to exert undue influence. I, I'm just trying to pastor. I'm just trying to lead. And if you don't follow, I'm not, the devil try to force you, try to drive you and make you. The Lord is our shepherd. And so I'm, he's shepherding through me. So I try to lead them in the way that they should go. And so I didn't see them for many years. And when I did, they were, they were uh, you know, still together. And, and I was happy about that. And good to see you. And I was ha- very happy to see them. And they brought up that event years before and, and told me, we sure missed it. They said, you tried to help us and tried to save us. And we went through a lot of problems because we didn't listen to you. And I thought, well, you know, no condemnation. You're here now. I'm glad you acknowledge that. And they, they went on to say, we have told a lot of people about that event. We have told so many people to do what you told us to do. <laughs> and I thought, well, cool. I mean, that didn't have to end. It didn't end bad. Everything's, everything's good. And, and I said, well, glad to hear that. Praise God, you know. Uh, and that's the end, end of that. And they started coming to our church. And they were a part of our church for, you know, I don't know, a couple of years, something like that. And, and you know, as a, as a pastor, you have to make decisions. You have to lead. You have to take the church a certain way, certain direction at different times. And, and thank God for the grace of God that enables a person to do that. And, and, and so we make different decisions at different times to go different directions. And this particular person, this same guy, he, he didn't like one of the things that we were doing, one of the directions we were going. And I, I thought, here we go again. You listen to me. I didn't say all this. I'm th- you listen to me until you disagree. Why don't you give me the benefit of the doubt once in a while? You know? I mean, just in honor to God. Not saying that we can't miss it or do everything perfect. And th- th- that's not the case here. I'm not talking about uh, some kind of extreme uh, undue authority or anything like that where we're trying to run people's lives. You know that. We don't do that around here. All right, uh, but he didn't like the direction, and so le- they left, left the church. All right, see ya. Wouldn't want to be ya. <laughs> now listen, I'm not mad at them. I'm not angry. <laughs> mad at them. This was years ago, and I'm not, you know, upset with them or anything. I just don't want to go there. I don't do that. But here's the thing: what place are we giving the Lord in our lives? Is it only till we don't like it? Is it only till we don't? see it the same or exactly the same or it's a little bit difficult if so maybe that's when the Lord's trying to lead us away from danger maybe that's when the Lord's trying to give us something that'll actually help us and cause us to to move forward and grow and and increase but it runs up against an uncomfortable place where I don't like this I don't I don't this is not comfortable this is more difficult for me I know this is a good opportunity for us to excel it's a good opportunity for us to let our shepherd lead us into a great place. Hallelujah. And so, those whom God anoints to lead, feed, protect, correct, have special insight and equipment to do what they're called to do. That just is. Uh, one of the words the, the, the Bible uses is the word overseer. Okay? Some of you are in overseeing positions in different companies and, and, and places in life. Well, what does an overseer do? 
an overseer sees from over. Right? They see from above. They have a perspective on things that those who are underlookers (laughs) don't have. On a certain level, you only see certain things. But if you're in an oversight position, then you're, you're looking at many different components and parts to what's happening in life. Right? And this is why the Lord is in a great place to shepherd us. And again, He does that through uh, shepherds. But, you know, Jesus Himself said, Many are called and, and, and few are chosen. Uh, well, 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 some people, they, they hear the call, but then they don't respond to the call because they got another idea. They hear the call, but they can't stand the heat. When things get uncomfortable, many quit. And I want to have a heart that says, Lord, I can be moved. I can be changed. I can be, I can be led. I can be pastored. Huh? Turn with me over to the book of Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. We're talking about the, the, the prevailing triumphant, victorious church that we are a part of. That should be uh, what we enjoy and experience in our lives is victory, is triumph. Uh, But let me ask you, could the gates of hell prevail against any person individually or any part of the universal church? I know the Lord is going to have His way, and the church will not be shut down and will not be denied. Okay, But could anyone who is a part of the church, could they be chipped off? Could they run into trouble? Could there be an attack against them that is effective? How could the, the gates of hell, let's say it this way, how could the devil effectively come against the church of the Lord Jesus? There is a way. Now, he won't succeed as a whole by any means. Jesus said it. There is a way where he does succeed at times with individuals. And you know what it is? It's called division. It's called division. Jesus said in in Mark chapter 3 and verse 24 and 25, if, if a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. If a house, and if a house is divided against itself... That house cannot stand. So even if something is right and it's of God, but if there comes internally a divisive spirit and attitude, then that house is in trouble. And so if we were to to be on our guard to make sure we stand long, stand strong, we receive the full blessing of God, this is one thing that we should absolutely stand against, almost at all costs. We will not be divided, because that's the devil. Do you see that? Uh, Well, let me give you this verse as well, because this is one of the things that in Proverbs God said he hates. There were seven things that he hated. The last one was the one who sows discord among brethren. God said, I hate that. Oh, I hate that. That's nasty stuff, the person who tries to divide. Because you know that's the work of the enemy. In Ephesians chapter 4, notice with me in verse 1. This is good. Ephesians 4, 1. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. 
with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep, everybody say keep, the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. What are we supposed to keep? Unity of the Spirit. If I'm told to keep it, I guess it's possible I could give it up. I could let it go. I could not maintain and hold on to what? A spirit of unity. Unity. He says, make sure you keep that. You've received grace. You've received the Lord. You've been called with a holy calling. Now make sure you stay together. Make sure you do not let any kind of divisive spirit get in your life, in your family, in your gatherings, in, in, in the body of Christ, because that is huge. Uh, verse 4, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called with one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all, and in y'all. Did you notice how many times the verses use the word one? One. There is a real truth that we need to get as believers and that the Lord has called us to be one, undivided. Undivided, united, we will stand. Divided, we will fall. What's the enemy going to try to do to try to get an inroad into the triumphant, prevailing, victorious church? Just try to cause division. Know when you see it coming. Know when those thoughts come to your mind. Man, that's the devil. That's the devil trying to get in here. I'm going to resist that. I'm not going to allow that. Amen? I think we should be, we should be smart and, and we should analyze. We start having thoughts that are in opposition to others. And start analyzing these thoughts. Where are they coming from? What, what's the source? What is the author of this thinking, this mentality? And if we can recognize it, we can say, ha, gotcha. That's not God. And that's a devil there. That's not, that's not the Lord at all leading that. Look with me at Psalm 133. Try to finish up over here. Psalm 133. These verses, just a few verses here. Psalm 133, verse 1, Behold, that means look, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in, what's that word? In unity. What's unity? What's together? Good, pleasant. It is like the precious oil upon the head running down on the beard. The beard of Aaron. Aaron was the high priest and these fragrant oils running down. It smelled so good. Running down on the edge of his garments. It is like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion. That moisturizing, fertilizing, you know, fruit producing. It's like this dew on the mountain. For He said, for, uh, for there the Lord commanded the blessing life forevermore. I want you to consider the picture here versus the contrast. This is something so desirable, so good, so pleasant, so enjoyable. It smells good. It feels good. It looks good. It's called the brethren. That includes sisterin. Uh, dwelling together. We say we value each other. 
We won't let anything divide us or come between us. We love and forgive and we embrace and we pray for. This is precious in the sight of God. And the opposite is, is this divisiveness. It's where, the Lord, it's where the enemy comes against people to divide. What does that look like? Man, if this smells good and this feels good and it's like dew and all this good stuff, I, I think what's the opposite? It's how miserable. It is for brethren to dwell in disarray. It is like a stinky smell in a dry, parched desert. It's like, oh, I don't want to be there. Yeah. Have you ever felt that way, being a part of a, a divided relationship? Ah, it doesn't feel right. I, I, I had flashbacks in the early service when I thought about the sweet smells versus the stinky smells. Have you ever smelled something that was just horrible and I went back to diaper days with the children and it was traumatic so you know reach your hands out towards me and pray no (laughs) but remembering some of those days of children in diapers some of you are there bless your hearts you're awesome grace and more grace but after you know a child uh, is weaned and they start eating good food you know real food solid food it's horrible what they can do I can still remember it I wasn't you know God bless Amy who did most of the diapers (laughs) but it's amazing what that can do just that Oh, oh, and it's, get that out of here. But, but I want, <laughs> if you can't relate to that, work in the nursery. <laughs> My sermons will have a greater impact on you. But I want you to think about it from a spiritual standpoint. Maybe the worst thing you smelled. That's the way that is in the nostrils of God. It's division. It's, it's his very own people and family not loving and forgiving and walking in with the same mind and the same heart and the same goal, staying together. He said, when you, are, when you guys are in unity, when you're functioning as one, it smells good and it looks good and I can do tremendous things there. When the enemy gets in and convinces a person, don't listen to that. Don't listen to that and starts judging other people's motives and judging the pastor's motives, God forbid, and, uh, or anything else. Man, that's the devil and it stinks to high heaven. It really does. And if someone lives in fear of the extreme, we're not going there. Judge everything by the word and by the spirit. We're not trying to control anyone's life. But I'm talking about the real genuine article of letting our good shepherd pastor us. Letting him use people to bring the necessary uh, uh, elements to our lives that cause us to thrive. If we'll do that, the enemy will never touch us. Come on. He will not be able to get in. Hallelujah. Let me, so, let me say this as well in, 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 in wrapping things up. How many know there's a difference in coming to a church service and being taught the word in fellowship with other believers and being pastored. 
There's a difference there. It's not the same. It's easy to be taught. It's relatively easy to uh, be a part of a fellowship of believers. I mean, there's challenges there, but you know what I mean. Uh, Sometimes, not all the time, sometimes it's more of a challenge to actually, truly open up your heart and be pastored. To where the Lord can use a person to speak into your life, to guide, to direct, to bring things, that, and sometimes they're corrective in nature, that's sometimes more difficult. But I don't want to just assume, uh, just because I'm in a place, or just because I enjoy being taught the Word, that I'm being pastored, or allow, I'm allowing myself to be led down a certain direction. I tell you, the Lord wants to do great things in your life. He wants to bring you from where you are to another place, a better place. What do I mean by a place? A place of fruitfulness and effectiveness, a place of safety, and a place where, where you are doing something, you are a part of His kingdom in a meaningful way. But if we do not allow our thinking and our mentality and even our behavior to be altered, to be moved, not just, not just learning, I learned, I learned this today, I love that, that's good. No, but I, my, my life is moved. I literally make different decisions, different choices based upon what I see the Lord doing, my good shepherd, through people. Where our life is moved, then we end up where God wants us to be. Hallelujah. And if we give Him that place, I tell you, now we are functioning as who we really are, as what we are. We are the church, the triumphant the victorious, the prevailing, the overcoming church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We will not be stopped. We will not be denied. We will overcome every time. He is our victory on the inside. Huh? We're not a bunch of old, of old messed up, worn down, beat down losers that he put a little badge on said, now you're mine. He literally recreated us from the inside out, been born again, made born again by His blood, been made in His image, and now we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus. We're washed and cleansed from the inside out. We stand in authority. We stand in power to represent Him and to dominate on this earth today. But we put ourselves in a position, come on, we put ourselves in a position to let His, His leading come to us. That's the end result. Not weak and pathetic and malnourished and barely making it along, but standing strong in His name, giving Him all the glory, representing Him well, being an example to this world of what our good, good shepherd is all about. I tell you, then, then many people want to say, they'll come and say, hey, you got any room in the flock? How's your pasture? You got any space over there for someone else? Because I see how well you're doing. Your shepherd is a good shepherd. I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about the Lord. Your shepherd is a good shepherd. And I want to be a part of that. That's the way the Lord represents. That's the way we represent the Lord to the world. By following Him closely. And recognizing the different ways in which He leads us. Amen. Father, thank you today for working in us. We hope you enjoyed this message. Find our other messages on iTunes or visit our website at lcboise.com and follow us on social media, Life Church Boise. Thank you and have a blessed day.